Welcome to Cross Communities Podcast. We're glad you're here to listen today. We hope that today's message will strengthen your faith and help you to love God and people more. If you have your Bibles, go ahead, however you get your Bible, whether it is uh, through an app or whether it's in book form, go ahead and open that up to the Gospel of Luke. The Gospel of Luke, that says Matthew, should be Luke. Um, I don't know if we're in last week's, uh, but should be Luke. So let's uh, get Deidre to help. It's not going to be too uh, too bad. I, I know I want to preach in Luke, okay? So now open a Bible, and we're going to look at Luke chapter 3. Luke chapter 3. We're going to begin at verse 15. Luke chapter 3, beginning at verse 15. Would you stand in honor of the reading of the gospel? Hear the word of the Lord. The people were waiting expectantly and were all wondering in their hearts if John, John, that's John the Baptist, if John might possibly be the Messiah or the Christ. John answered them all, I baptize you in water, but one more powerful than I will come. The thongs of whose sandals I am not worthy to untie. He will baptize you in the Holy Spirit and in fire. His winnowing fork is in his hand to clear his threshing floor and to gather the wheat into his barn. But he will burn up the chaff with unquenchable fire. And with many other words, John exhorted the people and preached the good news to them. Now before I give the blessing here. I want to call your attention to something at the very end. With many other words, John did what? It's okay. What did he do? He exhorted them. That's a a good way of passionately encouraging. And he preached what to them? The good news. Now the key here is that and with means that what comes before this and what follows this is encouragement and good news. We hear about unquenchable fire and winnowing forks. And some of you have a guttural reaction to that. And you've already shut off. This is going to be good news. Let's listen in. This is the word of God for the people of God. And our response is... Thanks be to God. You may be seated. Well, we're in this series called Family Vacation. And on a few of our family vacations, not all of them, uh, we will use airplanes to go somewhere. Now, when you're going on a vacation, especially if you're going for a couple of weeks, um, sometimes the temptation is not to pack the little suitcase, but to pack the big suitcase. 
And uh, you start stuffing things in there, you know, two weeks worth of clothes, two weeks worth of socks, two weeks worth of underwear, two weeks of bathing suits. And, you know, if you're going somewhere tropical, maybe I don't want to pay to rent snorkel gear. I'll just shove it in my suitcase. And then you, you rush out to the airport, you're all ready to go, and you're waiting in that long line to get up there, and all of a sudden you see bags over this weight will cost. And all of a sudden, if you're like me, it hits you. Oh, did I bring some unnecessary things? How much is this going to cost me? And I don't know about you, but Lori and I have been in those predicaments where we've like, all of a sudden, oh, it's going to cost us more than we want. And so uh, maybe the snorkel mask that was $10 at Walmart goes in the bin. And you, or goes in a purse or somewhere, it goes somewhere. It's unnecessary, you shed it, you let go of it so that you can get that bag underweight and going. Now, while you're also waiting in that line, you see those signs about the things that you're not supposed to pack in your bags, like fireworks. Which leads me to think, did people actually do that? Like, that just seems like common sense to me. But if there's a sign for it, it means at some point an agent opened a bag and found bottle rockets or black cat fireworks. Somebody who was traveling for the 4th of July, I guess. Or, you know, some chemicals or those kinds. So those people are there to check and to look and to look in our baggage, in our luggage, to find if there are unnecessary things or dangerous things. And the truth of the matter is, as we enter into the spiritual journey, which this series is really all about, when we enter into the spiritual journey, we eventually have to have a time where we allow Jesus to look through the luggage of our lives and to find out what is unnecessary and what is dangerous. Does that make sense? Are you tracking with me? This thing, this opening of our suitcase, of turning towards Him and allowing Him to look into the luggage of our lives and look through and to see what is unnecessary and dangerous, that it might be discarded. We here in the church, we call this repentance. Now, I don't know about you, a lot of us have this idea when you see the word repent or repentance, you think of some some wide-eyed kind of crazy guy with a, a board saying, the end is near, repent, or telling you who God hates and you should repent so that God won't hate you anymore, those kinds of things. But the word repent in Hebrew is the word shuv. Would you like to say that? It sounds like shove. It's not shove. It's shuv. Ready? One, two, three. Shuv. Let's say it one more time. One, two, three. Shuv. And if you were to use it in the, in the, in the Greek language, which the New Testament was primarily written in, it is the Greek word metanoia. Let's say that together. Ready? One, two, three. Metanoia. One more time. One, two, three. Metanoia. Both of these, whether the Hebrew shuv or the metanoia, the Greek metanoia, mean to turn. Or to return. It means that I was going in this direction. And I shuv. I have turned. I have repented. 
and now I am moving in this direction. Now, if I was going in this direction and I needed to repent, I would metanoia. I would turn. And I am now returning where I belong. This idea, this is the idea of repentance. And when it comes to repentance, the person in the New Testament who first talks about repenting and had a message of repentance was John the Baptist. And you may not know this, but John the Baptist was kind of a crazy guy. He was out in the wilderness. It says he, he lived on a diet of, of honey. We're okay with that. And wild locusts. I don't know if you've eaten locusts before. I have not. Uh, don't care if I ever do. Uh, but John ate a lot of locusts and wild honey. He had just kind of a, a, a garment around him and a leather belt. And he was out near the Jordan River, in the Jordan River, saying, Repent! Repent! And it was very effective. If you were to look at the, at the beginning of chapter 3 up until verse 15, you will see that lots of people were coming to him. And lots of different people were coming to him. And he was telling them hard things. He called, he called the religious leaders a bunch of snakes. And who told you to turn away from the wrath? He, he had... Tax collectors. These were traders who were working with the Roman government to collect taxes. And they were collecting extra that was unnecessary to line their own pockets. And he tells all of them, he tells them, bear fruit worthy of repentance that shows that you have shuv or you have metanoia, you have turned. And so tax collectors don't take any more than is necessary. Soldiers occupying forces went to this preacher and said, what do we do? He said, if you want to bear fruit of shuv, of metanoia, of turning, get this, be content with your pay. Don't extort it from others because you have a sword and they don't. And these things were happening. And as we jump into our passage, the people are beginning to wonder. There is such a following for this John the Baptist, this crazy man out in the wilderness. They begin to wonder, is he the one, the long-awaited Messiah who will liberate us, who will get us back where the kingdom of God, the kingdom of Israel, the kingdom of Jerusalem is on top and everybody else is underneath. Is this the guy? And John answers that question very definitively. He says, I'm out here and I'm baptizing you in water. Now, some of your translations will say with. But the preposition there is the preposition in Greek, en, which sounds like what? In. And it is. It is the preposition in. And you may think this is just semantics, but when you talk about with water, it's almost like I am still in control in my life and this water is is with me and near me. No, when John plunged people, John put them in the water. It was all around them, surrounded them, got in every nook and cranny. They came up wet. He says, I baptize you in water. But there is one who is coming. 
And John says, he's so great, I'm not even worthy to stoop down and untie his sandals. So that, that means, he says, like, like you guys are, are wondering if I'm the Christ. When this person comes, he is so far beyond me. I'm just using water. I'm going to put you guys in water. He's going to put you in what? What does it say? The Holy Spirit and in fire. The Holy Spirit and in fire. Now that's different. Now, all of a sudden, we're kind of checked. Ooh, don't know. Holy Spirit, okay. Fire? Hmm. Aren't we kind of, like, supposed to run from fire? Like, I, w- I was out with uh, Sarah and Travis Wasson in their backyard. We were doing a, a uh, fire pit. It's getting to be that kind of weather around here, isn't it? Nice at night. And there was Dottie, who used to be our dog. She now lives with them. I won't, that's a different story. Different sermon illustration. But she always loves it when we come over, and she's always wanting to be around. But as I stood, not even near the fire, she could see the fire, and it's just kind of instinctual to kind of run from the fire. She didn't want to. She would crawl over to me. Fire kind of spooks us. But I want you to hear, remember that John was making this an a what? Do you remember from way back in the beginning? An encouragement, an exhortation, and this is good news. So what does this mean? That the one who is coming will baptize us in the Holy Spirit and in fire. What does this mean? How is this good news? John uses a metaphor right here. He says in verse 17, His winnowing fork is in his hand to clear the threshing floor and to gather the wheat into his barn, but he will burn up the chaff with unquenchable fire. Now, let me, let me unpack this, because this is a beautiful metaphor. And many scholars wonder if John, as he was preaching near the Jordan, where there would be a river source, there would be fields nearby. And he's wondering if John was actually looking at someone who was clearing their threshing, their threshing floor with a winnowing fork. I think I had a picture of a winnowing fork. Do we have that, Harold, or is that, is that gone too? There was a picture of a winnowing fork. I wanted you to see it. There you go. We think of a winnowing fork, we tend to mistake it for a scythe. You know, one of those things where they... But this is a winnowing fork. It's kind of a rake. And they use that to scoop up the grain, the wheat, and throw it in the air. And the heavy wheat comes down and the wind loosens the chaff and it blows away. Now that thing, that basket there that you see over on that side, um, that was... In case the wind wasn't blowing, it's called a winnowing fan. And so they would throw it up, and there would be someone who throws up the grain and the chaff, and there would be someone who's going like this, and creating wind to blow that chaff away. So as we move into one part of the good news, would it help you to remember that the word for spirit is the word pneuma? And it is also means wind or breath. 
That when this one who comes, where I'm baptizing you in water, when this one who comes, who is so much greater than I, he will baptize you in holy winds that will blow the chaff away. And he will baptize you in fire that will get rid of that chaff in your life. Let me talk about the wheat for just a second because this adds another layer to the good news that John is trying to declare to these people. I don't know if you've spent a lot of time around wheat. I have not. But from what I hear, it grows on a stalk. I have driven through Kansas during a time where there is wheat as far as the eye can see. And it grows, and as it grows, there's a little head that forms on the top of it. And there are seeds that are down in there. And this chaff, this kind of papery-like substance, grows around the seed and protects it. It protects it from being eaten. It protects it from the elements. It protects it from, uh, you know, some, some vermin from getting in there and those kinds of things. So it is there. But it is unnecessary. Remember our luggage? There are sometimes things that we carry in our life that are unnecessary. And so that needs to be removed in order for the good, healthy grain to be absorbed. See, the problem with us in the church is that we have taken this metaphor and we have made this metaphor about two types of people. That some people are wheat and they're good and they'll be gathered into the barn. And if they say yes to Jesus, they'll be able to be gathered into the barn. And then there are people who won't and they they will be burned with unquenchable fire. I'm here to tell you this passage is not about that. This passage is comparing people to wheat. And wheat has what? Chaff. And God has created people. But people have chaff. And we call it sin. Now some of you are saying, well, pastor, you've only talked about, um, you know, what is unnecessary. And you've said chaff kind of surrounds the wheat for a time. And that's true. You happen to be blessed or cursed, I'm not sure yet why, uh, which one, with a pastor who was also a, a psychotherapist. And I am here to tell you, as a therapist who is also a pastor, that every single sin, I'd have to think about that even deeper. I would say at least 95% of the sins that I see in people's lives that they struggle with developed out of something that originally they used to protect themselves. Let's just take a few. Let's talk about the sin of pride. I have found that people who struggle with pride, who always need to be at the front of the line, who always need to be in charge, who always need to tell other people what to do, are often, as little kids, people who were barked at with orders, are little kids who were ignored because parents were off leading too much, and they found that if I could just get to the front of the line, I might be noticed by mom or dad. And they've clung to it, and that chaff has been around them, and it protected them for a time. But now it is unnecessary, and in fact it is dangerous to their life because it's destroying their relationships. 
I have seen that those who struggle with the sin of lust are often were little children who were ignored by parents or didn't have physical affection from parents or were berated or shamed in some way in their life. Maybe not always parents. Could have been other significant people in their lives. And they have wrapped themselves around with the chaff of lust because it was a way to numb out. It was a way to experience that closeness that they were longing for in that significant figure. But now it is unnecessary and is dangerous and is burning away their relationships and harming their life. I could go on and on and on. Do you catch what I'm saying? And John wants to say to people who are like wheat and like wheat have chaff that we call sin. That the one who is coming will take his winnowing fork to throw their lives into the air so that the Holy Spirit can blow in their life and loose what is unnecessary and get rid of what is dangerous in their life so that they could be set free. This fire is not about retribution. It is about redemption and about recreating human beings in God's image. This is good news, my friends. Now, don't go out of here and say, Pastor Jeff doesn't believe in hell. Please. I'm just saying this passage is not about that. It's about setting people free. It's about freedom. It's about you. It's about me. And if we are honest with ourselves, we know that we have chaff in our lives. And what happens with the chaff when it's done? When the Holy Spirit blows through, when the wind blows the chaff away, it comes down, they gather the wheat into the barn, they move the chaff over into a big pile. Now they have a fire hazard. So what do they do? They just go ahead and get it done. Unquenchable fire, of course, because it burns so fast, you couldn't get water to that thing fast enough if you tried. I've already talked about being at Travis and Sarah's. We put the Christmas tree from December on top of the fire pit. Unquenchable fire went up 20 feet. I was probably 10 feet away, and I took another 10 feet back because the heat blast. Would you, my friends... My friends online, wouldn't you love for this one who has come, named Jesus, to take his winnowing fork in your life? And oh, the scariness and the thrill of him throwing our lives into the uncontrollable air, but only to sense that then He will baptize you in the Holy Spirit, the holy wind of God that will blow the chaff away, and He will gather that away and get rid of what is unnecessary and dangerous for your lives in a way that is so permanent and so complete. This can happen for you. And John says, this is good news. 
And we stand here today not waiting for the one who is to come, but you can know the one who is here, who has come, who loved you so much that he died that the holy wind of God might blow through your life and move out those things that are unnecessary or dangerous and get rid of them so completely that you, yes you, even you might see the good grain of what he has created blossom out into our world. That's good news. So maybe you're saying, okay, Jeff, how do we do that? Well, the word we've been wrestling with, we repent. I was going this way, but now I shove. And I turn towards the one who is sending holy wind to take care of the chaff in my life. I was walking away from him, but now I met the Noia. I repent, I I turn, and I move towards him into the fire that will so remove those dangerous sins that are poisoning my life from me completely. How do I do that? Here's where you can write some things down. It means that you have to be radically honest. And you have to be radically honest about a couple of things. You ready? Number one. You need to be radically honest with your struggles. What do you struggle with? If you you think you have no struggles, where do other people have problems with you? Start there. (laughs) And it will give you a good clue. You have to be honest, radically honest about your struggles. Where do you struggle? Then, then you have to be radically honest about your sorrows. Remember I said that often our struggles come out of our deep sorrows and woundedness. So where have you been wounded? Where is the sorrow in your life? Bring that Be radically honest about that. You can do that through journaling. You can do that with talking with a counselor. Where is the sorrow? Be radically honest about that. Be radically honest about where you come up short. Where where are you trying and you just keep slipping, you keep slipping, you keep slipping, and it just doesn't seem to ever work out the right way? Be radically honest about your slips, your slip-ups. And lastly, be radically honest with your need for a Savior. And as I've already said, the good news is we know who He is. His name is Jesus, and He has come. For you to open, to repent and open the luggage of your life that he might look through and see what is unnecessary or dangerous. And that he might throw your life up into the air that the Holy Spirit might move in you to remove the chaff of what is unnecessary and to move and remove with fire that which is dangerous from your life. Are you ready to do that? Are you online? Are you ready to move into that kind of relationship? Are you ready to be honest? Ready to be honest about struggles and sorrows of 
slip-ups and your need for a Savior? If so, would you bow your heads and close your eyes with me? Lord Jesus, we come to you. The one that John pointed us to so long ago. And if we're honest, we know. We know. That we have chaff in our lives. Some of those things are things we wrapped ourselves in to protect us. But now are damaging the relationships and the people that we love. And so today, Father, we come to you and we ask that Jesus would take his winnowing fork, throw our lives up into the air, and that the Holy Spirit would come and remove what is unnecessary in our lives. That the Holy Spirit would come and burn away what is dangerous. And we would sense His redemption. His recreating us. That grain that is at the core of who we are. That image of Your love to the world would come forth. Father, help us Help us to open our luggage to you, to turn towards you, to repent. And to just be honest about those things that we struggle with. To be honest about our sorrows that often play in or fuel our struggles. Help those of us who like to put on the mask of religiosity. To be honest about our slip-ups. And in all this, to acknowledge and be honest about our need for you, our Savior. Help us this week to lay the luggage of our lives before you. And give you full permission to go through and remove those things that are unnecessary or dangerous. And may we begin this journey with you, the one who came to baptize us in the Holy Spirit and purifying, redeeming fire. For we pray this in the name of Jesus. And everyone said, Amen. If you want to begin that journey and you don't know how, would you please contact me this week? My uh, email is on the church website. You can send me an email. You can call the church. I would love to talk with you more about it. I would love to help you. If you're struggling with this, I want to lay that luggage open before Jesus. Come and talk to me. I would love nothing more. But would you stand and receive this blessing? And now, my brothers and my sisters, my friends, both here and online, May you dare to shove, to metanoia, to repent, to lay the luggage of your lives before the one who will send the Holy Spirit and fire to remove that which is unnecessary or dangerous to you. And may you 
dare to be radically honest about your struggles and your sorrows and your slip-ups and your need for a Savior. And when you do that, may you find that Savior to be faithful. And may you experience the joy of salvation. I pray this in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, one God forever and ever. Amen. Amen. Thank you for tuning in to Cross Communities Podcast. We hope you will join us next week.